You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 59. This episode's topic is One Love for Nurses. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Well, I'm here in the studio here myself today because we are bringing you a very special episode this time. We're actually going to turn the tables a bit. And Sandy and I were really blessed recently to be interviewed by Susie Farthing. Susie Farthing is the host and producer of the podcast One Love for Nurses, which is a inspirational show for Christian nurses who are wanting to continue to be inspired and educated about nursing and about many other things that will help them to be more effective in their work. And she had reached out to us after hearing one of the shows, and Susie and I have been connected uh, previously to her uh, listening to ending the ending human trafficking podcast, and she asked if she could interview us for her show, and we said, "Hey, uh, this is great. We'll actually uh, air the interview on our show as well." And so this interview aired on Susie Farthing's podcast, "One Love for Nurses," which I which I really encourage you to go check out, and I'll have her contact information here at the end. But here is our conversation with Susie Farthing. All right. Well, welcome to One Love for Nurses, Dave Stahoviak and Sandy Morgan. Susie, we're so glad to be joining you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to hear what you have uh, for us today. Well, yeah, thank you for being on the show. And I was listening to your show, um, Ending Human Trafficking, a few weeks back, and it was just like my heart was just really touched and and just um, I felt a great deal of sadness for what I was hearing you explain human trafficking to be and um, the consequences and how it's just really um, ubiquitous around us that we don't even know that it's there, but it is everywhere you really have struck a chord with what people feel like. They watch documentaries, they see things on the news, and it. if you have your Google set to give you any news on human trafficking now, you'll get several hits every single day because there's so much more arrests and prosecutions. So it's really timely to address this for healthcare professionals. Well, great. Well, it just when I listened to your um, your episode on how healthcare professionals can help, I knew that this was information that my audience needed to hear um, because there are nurses and others out there that come in contact with. Um, evidently uh, come in contact with victims of human trafficking every day that we may not even be aware of. I know that when I was listening to your um, your episode on you were describing the scenarios of what a healthcare um, provider could, you know, be in as far as when they're dealing with a potential victim of human trafficking. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I have been in those same situations, you know, in the ER in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, where the um, where the young woman comes in for multiple visits and each time she's got a different uh, fiance or husband with her. 
Mm. And so over a short short period of time, or you know, the the woman comes in with the um, the Hispanic young men who are suffering with the flu, and um, she doesn't know their names. Mm. And she's asking their their names. And, you know, each time I see her, she's got a different group of young men with her. So um, it's just I know that these are potential situations where that could be occurring. But before we get into um, all of that and, and you share more about what human trafficking is, I want you to introduce yourselves properly, if you don't mind. Um, Sandy, tell us about your organization. And, and well, Dave, um, tell us about the podcast. I'm the director of the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. I teach women's studies, family violence, and human trafficking. And our um, agenda is to help people study the issues so they can be a voice and make a difference in issues that surround uh, marginalization of, of women and children predominantly. But we, we care about men too. That's want to make sure we always get that out there. And um, the Global Center for Women and Justice has allowed us to bring together our community to study a lot of the different aspects. So we have an annual conference called Ensure Justice every March and bring in the very, very best speakers to help us understand so that we can do the right things. So many times we start, we're passionate and we jump out there and we start saying things and then we find out later we needed more information. And that's really, we particularly want to make sure that people have quality resources and best practice, evidence-based best practices. And Sandy's been doing this work for many, many years. And I was very fortunate, I guess about two or three years ago, Sandy, uh, there was an opening on the board uh, for to advise the center. And Sandy asked me to uh, join the board and to help out on some of the business aspects of what the center's doing. And I guess it was about that time that we started thinking it would be neat to, uh, if we could get our message out through a podcast. And so I, uh, you know, we kind of put this together and said, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could record some of what Sandy's wisdom and experience is and get that out to not only get that out to the community, but also capture a lot of what Sandy knows. We at the center get many questions, many of the similar similar types of questions on a regular basis. And so we thought this would be a great way to um, get Sandy's wisdom out and to talk a little bit more about what the center does. And I, I think I can say for both of us, Sandy, this has probably exceeded our expectations of what oh, we thought was going to happen with yeah. this. Uh, it really is. I'm just been amazed at how many people there are out there who are there with us who care about this. And this is on so many people's radar screens. And it's just been neat to see our listening community come together and to empower us and lift us up and to take what they're learning and to do something with it, which has been really fun. And the other thing too to mention is I'm also a nurse. And so from the initial point of when I first became involved in combating human trafficking, modern day slavery, I've really looked at it through the lens of um, nursing. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Well, tell us about your nursing background. Oh, I started out in pediatrics. And so that has particularly uh, fed into my passion to work against commercial sexual exploitation of children. And so uh, I can see nursing as a big part of how I have um, developed professionally in ending human trafficking. And eventually I was, um, I ran a, 
an operating room in Central California and then left to go with my husband overseas. And we we were living in Europe for um, a very, very long time. And when I was living in Greece, I began to see um, some changes on the streets. It, prostitution was legal there. And I, I, you know, recognized that this is what, this is a brothel. I walked past it on my way to the office. Um, but then I began seeing really young girls that did not look like they belonged there. And that's mm-hmm. when I saw human trafficking and particularly sex trafficking for the first time. I was a part of the International Nurses Association and we became very involved with the doctors of the world. So my um, my initial entry into this was really from the perspective of healthcare professional. Wow, there, that's remarkable. There's so much that we can do as nurses and other healthcare providers to help because, you know, everyone gets sick and eventually most, you know, seek medical attention. So it's a perfect, perfect opportunity to recognize those signs. Well, um, your your show also is a quality show, by the way. You guys do a f- fantabulous job with that. Oh, thank you, Susie. Dave is a great producer. He is great. And Dave, tell us first, you know, before we get too much uh, further into it, you also are a nursing educator. I am. But- I, I play a, a few roles in my life right now. I have a tapestry of a career. I work for the Dale Carnegie Training Organization, so I do training and facilitation um, uh, as a, as a career. And then I have my own show called coaching for leaders. So that's, uh, somewhat related to that, uh, as a podcast. And then, um, and then in my spare time, <laughs> I, I also do teach in, uh, the master's in nursing program at Vanguard university where, uh, Sandy, uh, where the center is out of. And I teach a couple of classes a year in leadership and education for MSN students. Well, that's great. Well, that's important. You know, nursing leadership is very important and learning those those skills and um, tapping into your knowledge is is great. So I listen, I personally listen to your Coaching for Leaders podcast. I don't miss an episode. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I know you do. And thank you for all your kind words and uh, tweets and comments. It's really nice to always hear from you uh, just about every week, in fact. Yeah, well, I mean it sincerely. It's great. So, well, um, okay, well, you guys tell us exactly what is human trafficking? Well, human trafficking, according to our Trafficking Victims Protection Act that was passed in 2000, um, has three elements that really define it. It can have um, an action uh, that involves harboring or or recruiting or obtaining uh, a person, but that then it has to be filtered through whether or not there was force involved, fraud involved, or coercion involved in order to produce Um, a commercial sex act or labor act so that someone is being used for the uh, financial benefit of someone else. And so there's an organized um, element to this. And the force, fraud, and coercion aspects are the way that people are managed and kept in this modern-day slavery. So force can be anything from brutal rapes to um, holding someone locked in a room or uh, kept far away from people. Um, Fraud is the most common recruitment technique. 
when you go to areas of the world or even in our own communities where people have fewer options and you offer them a job or an opportunity and in commercial sexual exploitation of our youth right here in America, somebody offers a young person the opportunity to become a model and come to uh, Southern Mm -hmm. California and we've got somebody who's going to take your picture. And Mm -hmm. so they, they believe that dream of a great future and then the reality is really horrible. But the the offer, once people realize that they're trapped in this, is not what keeps them here. The third element, coercion, is what keeps them in that. There's some level of threat. Um, you may not have documents, so they've, they're holding your passport or your documents and say, that you'll go to jail if um, if you try to leave, or there is a debt that you have to pay off, or if you leave, I'm going to send pictures that I have to your father. Um, mm-hmm. Something will happen to a member of your family. That kind of coercive um, threat is what holds people, and they don't even uh, feel free to ask for help or to run away. And then if it's... Um, if it's being sold for a commercial sex act and the person involved is under the age of 18, we don't have to prove those three things because mm-hmm. they don't have agency and the law protects them completely if they're under the age of 18. Well, that's reassuring. <clears throat> well, what does human trafficking look like in our everyday lives? Well, it's that could take a couple of shows, actually. <laughs> I um, know it could. I was yeah. thinking it's about like, that. Like, unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I've been I've been talking to people about um, human trafficking in in our stores and on our grocery shelves. Um, I was talking to a Department of Labor um, deputy uh, director here in Southern California who um, said, you know, that produce in your grocery store many times is there because of trafficking victims in our fields. Um, So sometimes there is a sense that the kind of trafficking that we have in America is all sex trafficking. But there is, that's because what, that's what is easier to identify. And it's what we're looking for. But it is, it is definitely right here on our own shelves. And it's in our backyard. It's in our agricultural areas. We have many, many cases out there where you are in Florida um, in the agricultural area of human trafficking. Really? Wow. And the, the other thing that I would mention too that goes along with that, Susie, and I've certainly has opened my eyes of doing the show with Sandy over the last couple of years is just thinking about things like fair trade and and being conscious of those decisions that we make when we go and purchase something at the store. And I think the question you asked about how does it really fit into our daily lives, it's something I think about every time I go shopping now. Wow. So now whether or not my actions always align with how they should when I'm shopping is another story because there are times that I don't think about as much as I should or I still make decisions that or I don't do the investigation that I should do. Um, to really educate myself. But I always think about it now. And there are many times now that it does change my buying behavior. So from a daily life standpoint, that is one thing that I can do as a consumer that really does affect someone, something, and the economics around this. And um, anyone who's listened to our show for any period of time would know that at, at the end of the day, 
um, for better or worse, this comes down to a, a question of economics and how mm-hmm. do people make money off this, unfortunately. And so um, looking at how to end human trafficking by looking through it for, through an economic model is also really important to, to keep in mind. And, and that's something we've talked about a lot on the show. Absolutely. Um, well, just briefly, how, how can we recognize a product that is um, dealing in human trafficking just you know, on our shelves? Um, California passed a Supply Chain Transparency Act um, in 2010. And so if you jump on the website and look up big businesses that are um, global or national, um, they're likely to be on on their page. If they, if they operate in California, then they're required to tell us their supply chain and authenticate that there is no slavery involved. So that's one way to do it. Hmm. Another way is what Dave mentioned with fair trade. Fair trade, um, there's a certificate, and you can look that up as well. The problem with fair trade is it is a licensing agreement, and um, the certification, you have to be licensed to use that certificate on your product. And so that adds to the cost. And so in the... In the uh, long run, we're really hoping that supply chain audits is going to be a better practice than fair trade certificates that are expensive. And the small business owner, the family plantation, for instance, on the west coast of of Africa, the cocoa plantation, would um, probably not be able to afford Mm -hmm. to be part of that and would need to be, um, we need to have a different way of authenticating that supply chain. Okay. Well, um, as healthcare professionals, tell, tell me how or tell us how we can recognize potential victims of human trafficking in our work environments. Well, you, you gave some really great examples at the beginning of this. Um, they come in and their stories aren't consistent. They come with somebody who says he's an uncle or a husband or a fiance. And then you see the same person again in a very different um, group and you're like, what's going on here? But many times you are the first person that they've been, um, had any privacy so that you can uh, ask questions that might help us understand if this is merely, and I use the word merely in with air quotes, an abusive situation, or if it's actually human trafficking and, um, people, you know, we, we nurses are considered the most trusted profession. Mm-hmm. And so when you take someone in the emergency room, in a walk-in clinic, um, in a doctor's office, into that exam room, and you demonstrate care for them, um, that is very disarming and their barriers come down. They've been told not to tell anybody. They're very fearful. And that fear is one of the red flags. If they're very fearful, it may not be because they're afraid of the procedure as much as they're afraid they're going to get in trouble with their trafficker. But when they're with you, you can begin to ask questions that will help you understand if this might be a trafficking victim. Um, do they have their own documents? Um, do they do they live in a separate place from where they work? Um, are they able to leave the place they work if they don't like the job? And many times, 
you will um, listen to the complaints about the reason they're there and this was an accident. And, and as you begin to find out more information, you find out they're not working in a safe environment. They're working every day, 12 and 16 hours a day. Um, so you begin to see some things that are exploitative and you start asking them, um, so if this job is so terrible, why don't you change jobs? And when they say, oh, I can't, well, that's a red flag because they can't move out of a really bad situation. Or they may say, well, I, I owe my boss some money. Well, that's a red flag. So those are some of the things. You can tell um, physical, physiologically, of course, um, victims who are in commercial sexual exploitation will have lots of sexually transmitted disease issues. All victims are um, very, very commonly present with malnutrition, um, sleeping disorders, and um, skin rashes, things like that, that um, maybe are related to their living circumstances. They may be living large groups in a very small space. Um, they take turns sleeping on the bed or the couch. And in one house in uh, a case early on, um, they had actually pulled the the um, sheet rock off the walls and men who were day laborers and agricultural trafficking victims were literally sleeping in the recesses of the walls because there was no space. Mm. Wow. So somebody who has a, a sleep disorder and their, their health is really degenerated, you want to know more about their living circumstances. This brings up a question for me, uh, maybe for both of you, Sandy and Susie, is that I, I'm not a healthcare professional, of course, even though I, I get to do some nurse education, but um, you both have mentioned, you know, someone showing up in an emergency room on multiple occasions. Is there a particular, is there a common reason that someone as a trafficking victim would show up multiple times? Is there a particular um, a symptom or complaint or ailment that would be common amongst trafficking victims, or could it be anything? Well, in commercial sexual exploitation, they usually go to walk-in clinics because of some kind of infection where they aren't able to work. Mm. Um, and so their trafficker wants them to get on some kind of medication to take care of whatever that is because he's losing or she is losing um, a profit when the product is not available. Mm. So and that's comes back to the sit. economics again. Exactly. It's all yeah. about making money. Um, and so when, when, you, when you look at that and they come across um, through the door, it's not just the nurse or the doctor that needs to be aware, but the entire team, mm -hmm. um, all of the support staff, the, the, um, the receptionist. When we do walk-in clinic outreach here, in Orange County, the first time we did that, our, our student mobilization teams, Live to Free, went out and did that. Within seven hours of the very first outreach they did, two foreign victims were rescued because wow. they went across the, 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 through the doors of a walk-in clinic and the receptionist had the 888-3737-888 number. Um, the, 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 dial card. What's that thing? Rolodex. That's oh, what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't use those so much, but they do still at nursing stations. And she called that number and within um, a very short amount of time, those victims were rescued. 
Hmm. That's great. And if you think about it, the receptionist is key because they can clue everyone else in into the her suspicion or his suspicion. And that way, the potential victim can be separated from those that are with them, um, like right from the start, because that way you don't invite, you know, all of them back to the exam room because sometimes they want to go and you know, groups <laughs> yeah, exactly. for evaluation. but And it's you know, really a good practice, not even to leave the girls together, but to take each one separately. Mm-hmm. And, and it's pretty easy to justify that. I want to get separate histories. Um, our, a lot of times. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 Because um, sometimes the trafficker is another woman or another mm-hmm. woman is tasked with keeping everybody under control. Mm, and that's what my suspicion was when in working in the ER, I was triage for a number of years, the main liaison. So I was the first initial, you know, greeter, check them in person. And when someone does not know the name of those that she brought to the hospital with her, it just makes me suspicious. And I see that person bring other groups in too. And really, I just, you know, you get so busy and wrapped up in it. I think you really have to plan in advance what you're going to do when you meet that situation again. And I think I think that's a really good point. And I would like to encourage people who are head nurses, charge nurses, staff trainers, um, to make this a part of, of um, report in-service um, education within your, your if you're in a hospital or an acute care facility, um, make this part of the training for the whole department. Wow, that's great. Well, that's not something that has ever been my experience before. I've never had any training in my career uh, as far as human trafficking goes. So well, I'm sure that I'm not alone. I think I think the groups that I've done the most training with here have been the school nurses because there is such a um, a recognition of the risk of of young people for commercial sexual exploitation in our own backyard, and that's getting a lot of attention right now. But also um, that outreach to the walk-in clinics has really been um, fruitful, and going we've done training at. Um, at emergency rooms at some of the major hospitals here. And I think you that that's something that needs to be replicated. And one of the one of the ideas that I was thinking about when I was looking forward to this conversation is what would um, an in-service look like? I remember back in my days when I worked in the hospital, you don't have a lot of time for... Mm-mm, it needs no. to be quick. <laughs> it has to be quick. It has to be yeah. quick. So adding in seven minutes every couple of weeks um, with a new piece of that puzzle would eventually bring everybody up to speed. Well, that, that that's a question for me too, Sandy, is that... Um, for someone who's in a position like Susie, who's a healthcare professional, and I know we have many who listen to our show as mm-hmm. well too, what would, what could be a first step if maybe you're not in that leadership role, but you have a passion for wanting to get some information to your colleagues and, and management team about this? What's something small that could be done that would be a first step? One of the things that the Trafficking Victims Protection Act provided for was educational resources. And so you have a great deal of support for training available through through our government resources. Homeland Security, um, which is houses ICE and several other issues, 
um, they have a video and I'll send you the link, um, Susie. It's a seven minute first responder video. Dr. Andrew Garza, who's the assistant secretary for health affairs, um, tells you what to do. And it's for first responders generally, but that can be EMTs, it can be firefighters, it can be nurses in the emergency room, anybody that is going to be seeing people that are right the front line to the community. And that's a powerful video to begin to understand how critical that role is. And then another um, another way to begin to train yourself is to go to the Health and Human Services website that is specifically designed for support services for human trafficking. And it's called rescueandrestore.org. It is the, um, the home website for Look Beneath the Surface campaign. You can order posters and that have the 888-3737-888 number. You can order Rolodex cards for every one of your um, emergency room stations. Um, you can also download a training toolkit for healthcare professionals, and it includes a PowerPoint. So you don't even have to be an expert, Susie. You can do this next week. You download the PowerPoint, and then you can print it out and put it in a binder. And when you print the whole thing out, you see the slide and under it, the notes. So this is saying, Susie, this is what you need to say that goes with this slide. Mm. You, wow, they, it's, it's a really well done um, uh, PowerPoint slide that's an introduction to human trafficking, specifically for healthcare professionals. It also has resources that you can use for handouts, um, it includes um, uh, tips for identifying and helping victims, screening questions to ask. And in fact, the screening questions to ask comes on a, a, a little three by five card that's laminated that you can actually order a hundred of them at a time and pass them out to everybody. And because you're in Florida, just like here in California, the ones that are the most popular for me are the ones that are in Spanish. I, um, If you're a nurse in my area, you really need to have at least a little bit of Spanish. And so those of us who, who have a little bit, having that little cheat sheet in Spanish is very helpful when we have that suspicion, but we just don't know how to ask it right. There it is for you in Spanish. And there's um, lists of health problems that you um, might see in a trafficking victim and posters, brochures, everything that you could possibly need for a really well done um, staff training. And probably you could plan to do um, a an afternoon hour workshop, or you could break it up into morning sessions for 15 minutes to, until your whole staff was trained. And is it expensive, Sandy, or are, these, are the resources free? Well, they, they aren't cheap. They aren't cheap, Dave, um, but they are paid for already with your tax dollars. This is part of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. So when you order these, all of this is mailed, um, shipped to you at no additional cost. Wow. Wow. Cool. That's great. Glad isn't to that, hear that. Isn't that Thank great? You for that information. I think that's wonderful. And um, I think I think another another place to go that is becoming a great resource of 
of more specific information is our national um, NIH website, National, um, national Institute, Institute of, Institute of Health. Health. There yeah. you go. I'm thinking through this. And their, their articles are, are really, really well done. They, they're evidence-based. They give great stories. And we actually referenced um, and, and did an overview of some of their research in our podcast last, um, let's see, it was number 36. I looked it up, Dave, just oh, before wow. this. Isn't that nice? Very cool. Um, and, and I would really recommend those who uh, want to get a little further into this that you go to the NIH website and it seems like every every week there are more articles that are being posted that help us look at the different aspects of how we care for the aftercare for um, victims as well as identifying victims, um, seeing the trends, what kind of trafficking is in different areas, and then best practice responses. Well, that's great. Well, with your help, I'll put that information in our show notes if that's okay. That's perfect. Well, so what happens? Okay, someone is identified as a victim of human trafficking. What goes on from there? You were, well, you were going to want to know. And, and here's the thing, too, is sometimes you cannot rescue someone right then. And okay. this is very difficult. You call the 888 number. You don't have enough information. Um, they already left, and there wasn't um, something that you could do right then, but you just think, this might be that kind of case. Um, on that, on the um, on the blue campaign, which is the where the video of the assistant secretary for um, health affairs, um, they have a downloadable shoe card, and you can also order them, and they'll ship them to you. Because if you're t- if you're seeing someone in the emergency room, and little red flags go up, but you don't have anything that you can actually put your finger on to say, this is a trafficking victim, but you just have this feeling. Well, you can't give them, it's just like, think about all the training you've had on domestic violence. You can't give this person um, a big brochure that says, Mm -hmm. here's what you do if you're a human trafficking. So you give them this little tiny um, shoe card. And on that card, it has the 888 number, it um, which is 888-3737-888. It says on there that there are 170 plus languages available. It says help is just a phone call away to reach a non-governmental confidential health line 24 hours a day. And this is um, so important because there's, there's going to, I just want to tell you, there are times when it's very gray and you can't really tell. But if you can give them something that is not going to be real um, visible, then mm-hmm. they they will um, take that with them. And in the last stats from the call line, which is run there in Washington, D.C. at the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, um, 24%, 24% of the calls uh, were from victims. Wow. I thought that was fabulous. So I think this shoe card is something every ER and walk-in clinic should have in the exam rooms to be able to give to a possible victim. 
And shoe, S-H-O-E, or yes. is that an acronym no, for something? No, it's S-H-O-E. Back oh. in, when, in the days, well, and we still do this for domestic violence, when we want to give a woman that we think came in um, and she says she fell um, and she has this big bruise and a broken collarbone, um, we give her uh, a little tiny piece of um, card that she can hide away, tuck someplace and then call if she needs help. Oh, so like hide in a shoe. Yes. Oh, interesting. Literally. Huh? Literally. Yeah. It's oh, called yeah. a shoe card. Oh, wow. Isn't that clever? It's very clever. That yeah. is clever. Well, um, well, tell us what, and you know, how can we pray for you? Because I know I've got some friends out there that are, are prayerful and want, will want to help in that regard. Well, I really want people here in the United States to begin to understand that human trafficking happens in their own backyard and that we drive demand for human trafficking, whether it's sex trafficking or if it's labor trafficking. There may not be a slave in your house or on your block, but if you walk down the street and go in a store, you're going to see the evidence of slavery Mm -hmm. someplace else. But it we're the ones driving demand for that. So taking some kind of personal responsibility and helping our kids learn that kind of personal responsibility. I think that's part of it. I am particularly passionate about reaching teachers in our schools because they are the front line against the commercial sexual exploitation of our children. They see the kids that are the most at risk. They see the kids that are missing school every Monday and Friday. Or, the vulnerable. Yes, the most vulnerable. So I want to I want to see more um, more impact in our schools. So those are those are some of the things that are really key for me right now. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. Well, if um, if anyone has comments or questions that they would like to share with you, how can they connect? Dave. Well, probably the best way is uh, a couple of ways is you can certainly email us at the center. So that's gcwj at vanguard.edu. So that stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice. And we're uh, sponsored out of Vanguard University of Southern California. And then the other way I'd suggest is that if the conversation today has touched your heart in some way and you'd like to learn more, uh, we have 50 or 60 plus episodes now that are online on iTunes. So if you're an iTunes user, just search for human tra- ending human trafficking. You'll find us. Uh, we'd love to have you as part of our listening community too. And then if you know someone that is in a frontline position or someone that's passionate about helping people and caring about people and helping end this is to let them know about the show. And we would certainly be honored to um, to have them be part of our listening community. The more people out there that know about this and the awareness is there. I think that's, that's big. I think is probably the biggest thing is awareness. When mm-hmm. the awareness is there, then people take action to make different choices. And that's been big in my life. And I know it's going to be big for other people too. Great. Yeah, definitely share it with your friends out there. Share it socially on your show, social networks. I mean, that's powerful. Uh, great opportunity for you guys to help get the word out. Well, and we'll have these um, this contact information posted in our show notes as well. If, if those listening did not get an opportunity to write that down, so well, thank you um, guys for being on the show. And Sandy, it was um, great doing this with you. I know we talked about it for several weeks, and I'm glad it finally came into reality. And Dave, it was wonderful talking to you again. 
Thank you so much, Susie. I'm really excited to reach out to um, an an audience that I feel has um, positioned themselves to be in a really special place to end human trafficking. And That's Susie, great. thank you for the wonderful work you're doing with your show. I've I've listened to a couple of your episodes. I mean, you really, uh, you know, I think you're just doing a wonderful thing to empower and encourage people and. I just wish you all the blessings on your journey too. And I would certainly, uh, we're certainly going to encourage our audience who are nursing professionals to check out your show. And I think it's a wonderful way to stay inspired because uh, people who are on the front lines also get discouraged. And it's, uh, and, and we need to fill ourselves with things that are going to encourage us. And you are someone out there who is absolutely an encourager. And I'm so excited that our paths have crossed. And I want to say ditto to that because after you contacted me, that's the first thing I did is I went on iTunes and subscribed. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I have a long way to go as far as in skill, but, you know, I, I prefaced my, uh, all my episodes with the first one in the first one when I said I'm no expert by any means, but I just, I'm sharing my heart. That's all I can do. And sharing what I know is, um, that I'm curious about and what touches my heart. And this, you know, the, the issue of human trafficking just really, really touched me after I listened to your show. So. Um, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Anna. Thanks, Susie. We're really uh, thrilled to have been here. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. It's Dave again back in the studio. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Susie Farthing for inviting Sandy and I to appear on her show. You can find her podcast, One Love for Nurses, at onelovefornurses.org. And we appeared with this interview on episode number 16. But as you have already heard through Susie's voice and her questions, she just has such a passion for caring for people and for reaching out and inspiring people, and so much a part of what Sandy and I are trying to do as well through this podcast. If you are looking for that inspiration on a regular basis, and in particular, if you're a nurse or if you're in the healthcare profession, I would really encourage you to listen to Susie's show, and you can download it through the same way you download this show, if it's through iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other networks. She's on all of them as well. Again, her website, onelovefornurses.org, so be sure to check her out. And I actually have just recently appeared on one of her other shows, too, on episode 19 on how to influence people without authority. So if you're looking for more ideas on that, that's a great place to go as well. Hey, just a reminder that if you'd like to stay connected with us and have a question or comment on anything we've talked about in today's episode, Sandy mentioned a whole bunch of resources We've talked about some of them on the show here before, but if you have questions or comments on anything we mention, please do reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We always love hearing comments, feedback, questions from the audience. The best way to do that is to email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. That goes to our email address at the Global Center for Women and Justice. You can also call us directly at 714 966 6360. You'll get to 
hear Alexis's voice. She is fantastic. She'll get you setting uh, started in the right direction on however we can be helpful to you. And we just hope that you'll continue to stay engaged with us as well. And if you've been listening for some time and you haven't already uh, connected with us on our regular newsletter, we would love to have you as a part of that. We mentioned on a previous episode, we had a little snafu with our subscriptions in the past. So if you uh, wanted to get our newsletter and don't currently, go to our website at gcwj.vanguard.edu. And on the lower left-hand portion of the page there, you will see a spot where you can subscribe to the newsletter and you'll hear everything that Sandy's up to, the Global Center for Women and Justice is up to, and all the work that we're doing to help end human trafficking. And we'd love to hear from you too. Hey, have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again on the show here in two weeks. Take care, everybody.